if you want to reduce Mother's Day down to something very simple and basic, it's this. Every person that's ever lived, every person that ever will live, came into this world the same way. Even Jesus was born of a virgin. Everybody comes into this in a very visceral, real way. I, uh, regardless of whatever relationship one has with their mother, that's how you came to be. God put you together inside of your mother's womb. It's very visceral. And that's the wisdom of uh, the psalmist. And that, that these words are over, over two millennia old. There's, there's probably 3,000 years of history embedded in these words describing a reality. I've never met anyone who, uh, you know, was grown in a test tube. I've never met anyone who was a wooden puppet until the blue fairy turned him into a real boy. This is how we all get here. And here the psalmist is praising this. And the praise and the acknowledgement of his mother's womb leads to a praise of a God and a recognition that God knows us that intimately. You're the one who created my innermost parts, says the psalmist to God. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. And I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. That's birth. That's life. New life also has a common denominator. Just as this real life, 98.6 in breathing, that you and I experience has that same origin, new life also has a similar origin. You're going to see that in a conversation that Jesus has with one of the um, great scholars of his day, one of the leaders of the people of Israel. I'm going to share with you uh, John chapter 3. If you're going to look it up, you need to follow with me in the common English version, C-E-V as in Victor, because I think this is one of the one of the translations that, that, gets it, that gets through to the conversational part of this. And, and, and you have to read this as a conversation to see what happens here. Here's Nicodemus who comes to Jesus by night. And Nicodemus is literally and figuratively in the dark. There's some things he doesn't understand, even though he is one of the scholars of his day. Now, let's listen to the conversation. There was a man named Nicodemus who was a Pharisee, a Jewish leader. One night he went to Jesus and he said, Sir, we know that God has sent you to teach us. You could not work these miracles unless God were with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you for certain that you must be born from above before you can see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how can a grown man ever be born a second time? 
Jesus answered, I tell you for certain that before you can get into God's kingdom, you must be born not only by water, but by the Spirit. Humans give life to their children, yet only God's Spirit can change you into a child of God. Don't be surprised when I say that you must be born from above. Because only God's Spirit gives new life. The Spirit, the Spirit is like the wind that blows wherever it wants to. You can hear the wind, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, How can you be a teacher of Israel and not know these things? I tell you for certain that we know what we're talking about because we have seen it ourselves. But none of you will accept what we say. If you don't believe when I talk to you about things on earth, how can you possibly believe if I talk to you about things in heaven? No one has gone up to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from there. And the Son of Man must be lifted up just as that metal snake was lifted up by Moses in the desert. And then everyone who has faith in the Son of Man will have eternal life. Now, I don't think that Jesus is putting Nicodemus down, but I do think he's expressing a little bit of disappointment because um, he's trying to get Nicodemus to understand a spiritual heavenly reality, but Nicodemus is so rooted in his worldview and his way of seeing things that he can't understand what is being said here. And that's what Jesus is trying to express to him. In the core of the conversation are are these interactions. Nicodemus initially appears, and and notice he he doesn't even ask Jesus a question. He just says, why? You know, he's, he's a fan of Jesus. He's a fan. We know that God sent you. Why? Because signs. You do miraculous signs. This has got to be from God. So Nicodemus is sort of the, 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 the unofficial welcoming committee. This is great. Signs. We know this. We know this. We know that because of signs, we know that you're God's son. We know that God sent you. Now, Jesus wants Nicodemus to do more than just know things. He wants him to see. And I don't just mean seeing with his eyes. He wants him to perceive reality. Through the Spirit. And understand what we mean by see here. Because these two, these two verbs, knowing and seeing, are going to be important in understanding this. I'm talking about the kind of seeing that is more than just what light hits our retina and then is sent by our optic nerve up to our brain. I'm talking about getting it. And sometimes we use the verb see. So we think about it like this. You've tried to explain something. Maybe you've tried to explain, maybe moms, maybe you've tried to explain something to your children. Over and over and over again you explain this and they don't seem to understand. And then one day they go through something and they, they experience it and they come back and they tell you about it. And of course your reaction is to say, now you see. Well, they didn't visually see anything, but now they see That's what Jesus wants Nicodemus to do. He wants him to see. 
Jesus says, we know these things because we've seen it. We've seen it in action. We get it. We've perceived it. So he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you're born from above. Now, I know that you want that to say born again. And that is the, that is the influence of English translation for hundreds of years and also within maybe, say, the last hundred years, evangelical phraseology of being a born-again Christian, born again, born again. What other kind of Christian is there? I mean, honestly, you know, uh, you know I'm a Christian that's been born oh, five or six times. I'm a Christian, but I haven't been born again. It's Okay, we get it. But then we use that phrase so often it becomes a cliche. I think it's good to recognize that there's a play on words here that, well, you just have to know that there's a play on words here. Jesus is using a term that means you've got to be born from above. And and that phrase is used in other places in Scripture and even in John 3 to describe the one who came from above. It's the same phrase in the original language. So Nicodemus, though, hears from above as second time, which in their language, that's that's very possible. That's very doable. I mean, you know that we have words that that, that confuse everybody all the time, uh, there and there. I mean, you know, is, it, it does, is this their fault uh, or is this over there or they are? You know, I mean, we get all that mixed up. They sound alike, but you have to know the context to know which one is being used of those three options. All right, this is a word like that. So Nicodemus is hearing second time. He doesn't see it. He doesn't get it. Jesus says, everyone that's born from above, you have to be born by water and spirit. He says, why are you surprised? This is new birth. This is new life. Jesus is saying, this is the same sort of common denominator as being born as a child the way that every human being is born. Nicodemus still doesn't get it. His phrase is, how can this be? How, how is this possible, says Nicodemus. And Jesus really doesn't have an answer other than to say, if I can't talk to you about earthly things, then how are you even going to understand heavenly things? Now, I think there's a lot of evidence to show that Nicodemus eventually gets it. Eventually, Nicodemus sees it. But right here, there's a statement being made that if we don't understand the mission of Jesus, if we don't understand the new life and the new birth, then we're just going to think that following Jesus is a matter not of who you know and what you can see, but we'll think that following Jesus is a matter of what you know. That word that they're confused over, that's not a typo. That's not another with an N on the end. That's the Greek word, anothen which can be translated as from above or again or from the past. Nicodemus misunderstands the phrase. He hears it as, he hears what Jesus is saying. I mean, Jesus would have said, anothen. And Nicodemus would have said, anothen. But they would have meant something different by it. Anothen born from above is what Jesus is saying. Anothen born a second time is what Nicodemus is saying. And Jesus is wondering, why? 
why, why doesn't he know this? Or we might be asking, why is it that Nicodemus doesn't know this? Couldn't he figure it out? Well, it may be that Nicodemus comes with some preconceived notions. And he hasn't been willing to set those aside. I mean, after all, think about it. The very beginning of the conversation between the two. Verse 2, one night, Nicodemus goes to Jesus and says, Sir, we know that God has sent you to teach us. And like every uh, student who speaks before they listen, he begins to tell Jesus how much he knows. I'm so happy to be in your class. Let me tell you everything I know and why I don't have to listen to you. The beginning of wisdom is ignorance, okay? He could have just shut his mouth and said, teach me something, Jesus. Just teach me something. But instead, he has to tell Jesus how much he and his comrades know. Because we know about signs, and signs don't happen unless God is with you. Well, all right, Jesus, you fit into our categories. And Jesus says, I think there's a need here for some renewal, for some, for some new life, for being born from above. And, G, and Nick, to which Nicodemus is again surprised. Wait, 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 wait. You're born once, right? And then you die? No. Jesus has definitely taught Nicodemus something. You know, the lesson that we take away from this is that it's not what you know Oh, you know the old phrase, it's not what you know, but who you know. All right, let's just toss that one aside, all right? Let's instead look at it this way. It's not what you know, but who you see. Now, I want you to think about your life, your new life. I want you to think about being a new person. Some of us are, are convinced that we're a new person. Uh, we've experienced it, we've seen, we perceive the new life that God has started in us. Some of us maybe aren't sure. Some of us may think it's possible, but, but maybe we really haven't experienced new life by water and by spirit. The good news today is that you can be born from above by the water and spirit. No one's excluded from that. You just have to be willing to be taught by Jesus. And that means sometimes we have to let go of what we think we know. For example, do we know that Jesus died so that we don't have to? Now, you're going to say, wait a second, that's a good thing to know. It is. It is a good thing to know. But that knowledge alone will not save you if you don't go to the Son of Man who was lifted up and surrendered to Him? Do we know that Jesus died for us and then we just, you know, click that off mentally, mental checklist? Or do we, as Jesus say, do we see the Son of Man lifted up? Meaning He was crucified and yet we know that through His crucifixion we have new life. That God can transform death into a new kind of life. Have we surrendered to that? Have we submitted to that? 
That's not just a matter of knowledge. That's a matter of seeing the Son of Man and coming to him. In John 3, if you continue reading that chapter, Jesus will say, but you will see the Son of Man lifted up, meaning that when you see it, you'll get it, and you'll come to him. Do we know it's a command to be baptized? You're going to say, well, yeah, well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Jesus calls us to baptism. Jesus himself is baptized. Not only does he tell us to be baptized, but he himself is baptized to set the example, to share in baptism with us. Look, however you read the New Testament, I'm just going to tell you this, and I'm not just, I'm not just holding on to some Church of Christ preference here. I want you to know this, okay? But, I mean, if you read the New Testament over and over again, Scripture really likes baptism, okay? I mean, it's everywhere. It's all in there. Uh, it means so much. And, and in fact, you know, if, if, if we were to ask any of the biblical writers, you know, well, do you have to be baptized to be saved? If we could somehow do that. I wish we really could create one of those BBS time machines and get one of these guys out here and just have a Sunday, you know, where we talk to them. We'll send them back in time, you know, after a little while. And then we could say, listen, our question to you is, do you really have to be baptized to be saved? I think they'd look at us like, what kind of question is that? What are, what are you talking about? It's like, we don't even understand how to answer that question because it's so ridiculous. That'd be like asking, you know, do, do I really have to love my wife to marry her? I mean, can't we, you know, does that, is that, see, and you're like, oh, gosh, you know, that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense. Do we know it's a command to be baptized or do we see the Spirit hovering over the water to give us new life? Because at the same time that the New Testament really likes baptism, I'm going to tell you, you can just get wet. And that happens. Unless we can see the Spirit of God hovering over the water, meaning that, you know, as we said in our Sunday school class this morning, sometimes there are callbacks. You know, that in the beginning, creation, when God makes life, His Spirit hovers over the waters, over the deep, and He brings life out of chaos. Did you know that when we're baptized, when we're buried in the water, and then we come up out of the water and we, we're, we're raised to live out a new kind of life, that when that happens, we come into connection with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are you telling me? I mean, the Spirit is there. God is involved in this. And it's not something that you and I can summon. It's not something that you and I have to magically invoke with the right and proper words. But God is waiting in this world. He is waiting for us. As Jesus says to Nicodemus later, God does not want anyone to die. If you want it in the more familiar phrases, God is not willing that any should perish. Okay, but that sounds a bit Shakespeare. He's basically saying God doesn't want anybody to die. He loves the world so much that he sent his son. And so God is waiting on us to see it and to give in. And when we give in, he gives us new life. Do, do we know that we want to go to heaven? Well, of course we want to go to heaven. I mean, what's the alternative? Well, there is an alternative, and, you know, and uh, there, uh, we don't want that. But if our goal in living this Christian life is just to get to heaven, then what on earth are we doing 
between now and then. Quite literally, what on earth are we doing between now and then? I just want to go to heaven. What are you going to do on earth? Oh, you know, get a good job, have God look out for me, raise some good kids. I don't know, you know, have a little fun, go see the world. Got my bucket list, but I sure do want to go to heaven when I die. Well, I tell you, why don't you start living towards heaven right now? I mean, why don't we start living into it? Because it's not that we're going to heaven. Heaven's coming here. Read Revelation at the last chapter. When we think that, uh, you know, oh, everybody's going to get on that golden escalator and go on up to heaven. There they go. Everybody's just flying off. No, instead, heaven comes in like some kind of huge mothership from another galaxy and just moves into our world and takes it all over. Hey, God, my house is over there. Doesn't matter. you got a new mansion. We're taking care of everything. We're raising it. We're moving heaven in. So maybe we need to get ready for that. Maybe we need to start living like that moment in the future is now. That's new life. Do we know we want to go to heaven? Or do we see the kingdom of God even now? Let me ask you, do you think that since the time of Christ, do you think that God has been at work in this world from then to this point? The alternative is either he, he has been, okay, and there's things that he's doing, and he's, he's working on that new heaven and that new earth, or he's just kind of checked out. He took care of everything back in the first century, and then he decided to go on a vacation, and he's taking a nap. But when he wakes up, oh boy, everybody's going to get caught red-handed, and you know we don't know when he's going to pull the fire alarm. I don't buy that scenario. And I'll tell you why I don't buy it because I don't see it in Scripture. What I see in Scripture is you see, like in the Book of Acts, his spirit is still working in the church. There's still there's things there, there's things going on. Jesus is saying, I mean, Jesus could have come back. He's risen from the tomb. It's Sunday. It's the resurrection day. He could have just announced to everybody, I'm back. Life triumphs over death. We'll see you all later. But instead, he spends 40 days doing things. There's this old crew. They're out there. His disciples are out there fishing. What's Jesus doing? He's not walking above the water, floating down, glowing. He's got a little charcoal fire going. He's got some fish roasting. Hey, breakfast time. What's that all about? He's appearing to them. He's giving them peace. He's interfering in their lives. He's moving into their lives. He's saying, we're going to get this right now, okay? You didn't see it before, but now I think you definitely have to see it. Here comes Thomas, old doubting Thomas. I don't know about this. I don't know that I buy this. You know, this, is, this, is, this isn't the way it works. It's all right. You want to see the scars here? Look right here. That's where the nail was. Okay. I see it. And yeah, I see it, says Thomas. He gets it. That tells me that God is at work among us. And so it's not what you know, but it's what you see. Do we see the possibility of Jesus at work in our life. Jesus says, I tell you for certain, 
That's Jesus' phrase for uh, more or less, okay, write this down. You know. Or as, as, as we like to say in, in, in ministry and in homiletics, now that'll preach, okay? I mean, Jesus is saying, now look, here's something, here's something. I'll tell you for certain. Before you get into God's kingdom, you must be born not only by water, but by the Spirit. Our baptism is our birth. It's the common denominator for those who are participating in God's kingdom, who are entering into God's kingdom. God's kingdom is nothing that we can build. It's nothing that we can construct. God has not contracted us to put together his kingdom. But it is something that God is doing, and he has invited us to enter into it through a new birth, by water and by spirit. I had this one comment, the, the, the whole meaning of baptism, just like everything has meaning, and, and, and this is what's wonderful about the gifts that God has given us. You know, he gave us bread and wine. The whole, the whole point of that was body and blood, so that you remember, all right? So it's th- those elements refer to something. That, that water that you're buried in and that water that you come out of, well, that's, that's burial resurrection. I mean, it, it has meaning. It means something. And God's Spirit, the presence of Jesus, is in this meal that we observe. How did it get there? Well, that's God's business. God's Spirit is involved in that baptism. His empowerment and to give us a new kind of life is there. How did it get there? Well, that's His business. But our business is to surrender, to be born from above, to reset our antenna, our spiritual living antenna, so that we stop picking up the messages, the fake news, the false signals of this world, and we start picking up the signals and the messages that come from the one who came from above to save us. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would tune us to receive your good news. Father, if um, for, for those of us who have been born from above, I pray that we will stay on track and not get caught up in the things of this earth, the worries, the fears, the, the temptations, the distractions, but that, Father, we will live a life focused on things above, not on the things of this earth. Help us to live that new life. Father, for those of us who've not yet experienced that new birth, I pray that they will see you, they will see the Son of Man lifted up, knowing that there is salvation in your name and salvation in your sacrifice. And, Father, I pray that we will always encourage everyone not to be afraid to surrender to you, for there they're not going to find death and dying, but they're going to find new life. And the only death is death to the slavery of sin. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and we're going to encourage one another.